0: Engaging sermons on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Paul and Barnabas continued on from Perga and reached Antioch in Pisidia. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and took their seats. Many Jews and worshippers who were converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who spoke to them and urged them to remain faithful to the grace of God. On the following Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and with violent abuse contradicted what Paul said. Both Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and condemn yourselves as unworthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have made you a light to the Gentiles, that you may be an instrument of salvation to the ends of the earth. The Gentiles were delighted when they heard this and glorified the word of the Lord. All who were destined for eternal life came to believe, and the word of the Lord continued to spread through the whole region. The Jews, however, incited the women of prominence who were worshippers and the leading men of the city, stirred up a persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and expelled them from their territory. So they shook the dust from their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. The disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are His people, the sheep of His flock. We are His people, the sheep of His flock. Sing joyfully to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. We are His people, the sheep of His flock. Know that the Lord is God. He made us, His we are, the people, the flock, He tends. We are His people, the sheep of His flock. The Lord is good, His kindness endures forever, and His faithfulness to all generations. We are His people, the sheep of His flock. A reading from the book of Revelation. I, John, had a vision of a great multitude which no one could count, from every nation, race, people, and tongue. They stood before the throne and before the Lamb, wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. Then one of the elders said to me, These are the ones who have survived the great time of distress. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they stand before God's throne and worship Him day and night in His temple. The one who sits on the throne will shelter them. They will not hunger or thirst anymore, nor will the sun or any heat strike them. For the Lamb, who is in the center of the throne, will shepherd them and lead them to springs of life-giving water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, I am the good shepherd, says the Lord, I know my sheep and mine know me, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can take them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one can take them out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you. Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, uh, once again, happy Mother's Day. And uh, we have in the readings today the foundation of the life and the love that motherhood represents, the foundation of the life and the love that the Christian life represents. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the foundation, the love by which he gave himself on the cross, a free act. Nobody conquered him, nobody defeated him, nobody took his life from him. He laid it down freely, as he himself proclaimed before it happened. I have the power to lay it down, and the power to take it up again. What kind of power is this that paradoxically is expressed in being nailed to a cross and laid in a tomb? It's the power of love that is ready to sacrifice itself for the good of the other. There's the heart of motherhood. There's the love that says, this is my body given for you. This is what, first of all, spouse says to spouse, this is my body given for you. And that then is what mother and father say to their children, this is my body given for you. My time, my resources, my energy, my priorities, my life given for you. Why? So that you may flourish, so that you may live. It's the life-giving love that is not only exemplified and taught to us in the death and resurrection of Christ, but a power that is actually given to us when the death and resurrection of Christ become our life through baptism, through faith. We have that power in us to live and love in a supernatural way. Mothers know that it requires superhuman strength to raise a child or several children. You know on our website at Priests for Life we have some beautiful stories of mothers of large families. I interviewed among those stories a mother of 20 And one might wonder how she does it. She answered, the more children, the more love. The other children help her raise the other children. Of course, it's a community of love. Sacrifice, yes, but joyful sacrifice done with that same power of love. Jesus says, the Father and I are one. What that means is that when we hear the teachings of Jesus Christ, we're hearing the teachings of God. When we're seeing the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross, it's the blood of God. When we see Jesus give his life for us on Good Friday, it's God who died for us. God who rose. God who comes to us in the lamb who was slain. It happened in time, but it takes us into eternity. It happens in time, and the church is born. Those who accept this life, this love, this calling of motherhood, which in a sense reflects a calling that we all have. Because in motherhood, one is called to give life through this self-sacrificing love. Well, brothers and sisters, in every calling in life, we are called to sacrifice ourselves. Every calling. You know, sometimes uh, young men or women may come to me expressing a question as to whether or not they might be called to be a priest, to be called, be a religious sister or brother. And sometimes they come to the conclusion that being a priest or a religious brother or sister is not for them because some say well it requires you to give up too much and I smile at them I say well then you better think carefully about the vocation of marriage or motherhood or fatherhood if you're worried about giving up too much if you're worried about sacrifice the bottom line is every vocation in life is founded and needs to be rooted and can be lived out faithfully only by the power of love. And there is no such thing as love without sacrifice. Best symbol of love, whether of a spouse or a mother or anybody, is not the heart. It's the crucifix. So the church is gathered together by people who have discovered how to live in self-sacrificing love. And we have, therefore, the first reading showing the church continuing to grow, in fact, showing the reality of the resurrection, that it is a gift given to all the world. The church is lumen gentium, fulfillment of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a light to the nations, a light to the world. The plan started out, of course, with God's own people whom He formed, to whom He gave the covenant through Moses, to whom He sent the prophets. But God wasn't intending to stop there just with one specially blessed people of the world. His plan was for the whole world. God so loved the world. That he gave his only son. That all, all who believe in him, Jew and Gentile alike, lumen gentium, a light to the nations, it includes us all. And this comes forth in today's first reading. Some were angry at this. And you know, as happens today, and it happens in our communities, and it happens in our churches, and it happens in our Christian and conservative organizations, we speak the truth. And notice, it's not just some people causing persecution, because not everybody is able to pull it off to persecute a group of people. The reading here says the Jews incited women of prominence and leading men, not just women and men in the city, but women of prominence and leading men. To those of prominence today I give this warning. Do not even try to hinder the proclamation of the truth. Your prominence will crumble into dust. It's meaningless to us who are filled with the Spirit of Christ. You see, the disciples weren't shaken by the women of prominence. Sadly, some pastors today are, and they're afraid that the women of prominence and the leading men in their parish will turn against them, or maybe they'll take their wealth, which is destined for corruption anyway, away to a different parish. Well, so be it. What do we care for your wealth? If you're asking us to sacrifice the Word of God, in fact, go away if you're trying to help have us be silent about the word of God. And I say this because there are all kinds of people like this out there. All kinds. Talking to the pastors, trying to intimidate the pastors. The disciples were not intimidated. They were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. And so are we. And all of this leads to what? It leads to that great vision that we hear in the second reading of that heavenly Jerusalem where the multitude, which no one could count, because the news of the resurrection and the reality of baptism, bringing people into that risen life has spread to every corner of the world now for 2,000 years plus. This great multitude, which no one could count, is gathered before the throne and the Lamb. Notice... That when you wash your robes in the blood of the lamb, they don't turn red as blood would make a garment. They turn white. Because this lamb fulfills that prophecy of Isaiah which says, Though your sins be like scarlet, they may become white as wool. Wash yourselves clean. Put away your misdeeds from before my eyes. Cease Doing evil, learn to do good, do justice. The Lamb on the throne, who shepherds them, it says. His shepherding of us is not just a a consolation in the midst of sorrow or a strengthening in the midst of weakness. Yes, God does that and we ask Him to do that every moment of the day. His shepherding of us is leading us through This time of great distress, as the reading says, into eternal peace and joy where every tear, as the reading says, will be wiped away. It's to shepherd us through our suffering and death. Through the limitations and darkness of this world, he shepherds us. He goes ahead of us. He has his rod and staff that comfort us. Comfort us in the most fundamental Things of life comforting us in the light in the, in the in the face of death itself, comforting us with the promise of life eternal and actually leading us there. How do we get to eternal life? This is where he's the shepherd. These are those John is told when he sees the crowd around the throne who have survived the time of great distress. Friends, let's realize that we are in the time of great distress. It is, first of all, that fundamental human distress that I was just referring to. Our whole life on this earth is the time of great distress because we are uncertain and we face suffering And everything is tentative, and we don't know from day to day what good things that we have we might lose, including life itself. It's great distress that comes upon us just by that very fact. And then we have the great distress of the evil that occurs in our own lives. We are distressed, and we should be distressed, by our own sins. It's distressful that we are even capable of, of, of sin, capable of the kind of betrayal that we weep about in repentance. It's a time of great distress because we can sin, because we can lose our life with God, because others around us can sin against him. And if we love God, that makes us sad and they can sin against us. It's a time of great distress, furthermore, because evils are perpetrated in this world like abortion, like all kinds of violence and war and the destruction of human rights. But towering above all these evils is indeed abortion. And it is a time of great distress as people are more and more troubled by it, As the cause of life more and more advances and we see the victories and we see the success that is about to become official through the United States Supreme Court, this is not a small victory. This is a big victory and it is going to unfold very shortly that this evil decision, there's never been a more destructive decision of the U.S. Supreme Court than Roe versus Wade, this destructive decision is, as we have worked and prayed for, for 50 years now, going to be relegated to the ash heap of history, going to be overruled as it deserved to be on the very first day it was decided. But nevertheless, yes, that victory is upon us. This is a big victory, not a small one. This deserves celebration. doesn't deserve to be considered our final goal, Because it simply opens the way, it removes a major, gigantic obstacle to the protection of the unborn, but we have to keep doing the work to actually protect them and to serve their moms and their dads and their families. Of course, we never intended to do anything different, but the fact of the matter is a big, gigantic obstacle is taken out of the way. We must celebrate that. But it is a time of great distress because then we see the enemies of life doing a temper tantrum. They're doing it today. Around the country, they're doing it today. In front of the Supreme Court, they're doing it today. Throwing a childish tantrum in favor of death, they're doing it in front of the homes of not all the Supreme Court justices, but only those who are Strong enough to stand up and say, abortion is not in the Constitution, and if people want to make laws permitting it, that should be done through the lawmakers, whom you have to persuade, whom you have to elect, whom you have to re-elect if you want. There's that accountability to the people. But the pro-death people are throwing temper tantrums today in front of the homes of the pro-life Supreme Court justices and they are throwing temper tantrums at the churches. Now that's interesting, isn't it? One would think that they might go to the state capitals, to the legislatures, because there's where the laws are written and voted on. They're not written and voted on in the churches. But no, these people go to the churches. You know why they go to the churches? To try to disrupt services and protest. They go to the churches because for them their church is being attacked. See, we don't see it that way. But when we try to stop abortion, it's so sacred to them that it's like us trying to stop their church. For us to say there should be a law prohibiting abortion, which is exactly what we are aiming to do, what we have done, and we will do more, They, it's like for them, it's like trying to stop one of their sacraments. And so they try to respond in kind by disrupting our sacraments, by disrupting our sacred ground. Their sacred ground is abortion and the abortion clinic. That's how twisted and spiritually depraved the advocates of abortion in our culture are. That's their sacrament. We attack that, well, they're going to attack our churches. That's what's going on here. It's the true church versus the false church. It's the church that says, as we will say at the altar in a few moments, this is my body given up for you. Confronting the false church that says, this is my body. I can do what I want, even if it means killing the baby. And so, my friends, this is the time that the scripture refers to as the time of great distress. And it says, blessed are those who have survived it. How do we survive it? We cling to the truth in the midst of all this barrage of falsehood and lies and deception. We cling to Christ who is the life in the midst of all this violent death. We cling to the one who shows us love, shows it to us in motherhood, shows it to us in every vocation. The one who is love because he gave himself on the cross. We cling to that love. We live that love. That's how we survive the great period of distress. Let those around us choose death if they want. We will choose life. We will live love. We will embrace and proclaim Christ. And no one will silence us. They can proclaim their false gospels. They can cause distress. But we will live with the peace and joy of the Holy Spirit as those disciples did, as today's first reading tells us. Let us continue to be filled with peace and joy. Especially those who are mothers, enjoy the peace, the joy God gives you as you reflect on your calling to nurture new life. Let us have peace and joy in regard to the mother's who have already been called to the next life, peace and joy are the gift that they are, that they continue to be, and looking forward to being reunited with them again. Let us rejoice because Christ is risen, and in him we have the victory of love and of life. Amen.